Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to think about something called Pentecost. Uh, and we're going to start with some easy mathematics uh, because I'm going to be looking for some responses and answers and insights and uh, generally brainstorming kind of things. So um, the first question is, um, how many days in a week? Great, good, we're off to a good start. Yesterday evening, one of my congregants insisted that there were five. Um, seven, seven days in a week. So how many days in seven weeks? That would be seven times seven, which is... 49, says Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. You're right, it's 49. Here's a... Uh, next slide, thank you. Here's a um, really tricky mathematical question. Uh, what is 49 plus one? 50. Thank you, Lucy. That's great. That's right. 50. And next slide. Thank you. Today, we are thinking about Pentecost, which means uh, 50th. It comes from the Greek word, um, Pentecostos, meaning 50th. And uh, you see, the Jews, they celebrated a special holiday. They celebrated and continue to celebrate a special holiday, a feast day called Pentecost. And it is, it is 50 days after another very special Jewish feast day or holiday. Does anyone know what day that is, 50 days earlier than Pentecost? Passover, that's right. So 50 days before Pentecost, it's the Passover. And uh, the Jewish feast of Pentecost uh, was and is a little bit like a f harvest festival. Um, it's also called the Feast of Weeks or the Day of First Fruits, a special day of bringing to the temple in Jerusalem a sacrifice of all the things that you're beginning to harvest. Um, and so that was a tithe or a first fruit offering, the very first and the best. And it was a special way of saying thank you to God, thank you for keeping your promise to provide for all of our needs, we offer you back the first and the best, trusting you that you will continue to provide for all our needs. But the, being beyond just a kind of a, a, a feast festival harvest thingy, it also had a deeper meaning for, meaning for them. You see, uh, the Passover uh, feast, 50 days earlier, that celebrated, well, you can tell me, what that celebrated, what does the Passover remember and celebrate? Anybody remember? What does it celebrate? Ah, thank you. Jordan gave it to me, the, the right answer. It celebrates and remembers uh, the Hebrews, the Israelites, up and leaving Egypt. It was when the Lord saved his people up out of the land of slavery, up out of the land of Egypt, freeing them from slavery, uh, freeing them from bondage, to be free, with Moses leading them out. That's what Passover remembers and celebrates. The day of Pentecost, 50 days later, celebrated and remembered 50 days later, that 50 days later, they received the law, their uh, under the shadow of Mount Sinai, Moses coming down with the law, the Ten Commandments. 
So the Passover celebrates God saving his people up out of slavery. The Pentecost feast celebrates God uh, showing his people how to live as they follow the law of Moses. So this morning, we're going to read from Acts chapter 2, and it's a story about what happened 50 days after Jesus was crucified on a cross at Passover 50 days earlier, which we remember, of course, as Easter. Uh, Now, just as the early Christians understood that the whole point of Passover was to point to Jesus, the true Lamb of God, the one who really saves us, the one who us, saves us from something a heck of a lot more serious than slavery to human beings, he saves us from our real problem, which is slavery to sin, and through sin, death and judgment. Jesus saves us from that by dying in our place on the cross at the Passover. And the story I'm about to read, it's a paraphrase. It's a shortened, abridged version. But the story I'm about to read takes place in Jerusalem at and on the Pentecost feast, 50 days after Jesus was crucified. Here goes. On the day of Pentecost, thank you, next slide, yep. On the day of Pentecost, have you got my notes back there, Braden? They they may have disappeared. You do? That's great. (laughs) Otherwise, I can just tell you. There we are. On the day of Pentecost, all the Christians were all together in one place. There was about 120 of them. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a mighty wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, Any problems with my picture just at this point? Well, I've just read that they were sitting. Yeah, but here here I've got them standing. They were sitting, but never reading on. They saw what looked like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So then, uh, just quickly, some some quick questions. Where were the Christians on the day of Pentecost? Where were they? Hiding? (laughs) Jane says hiding, quite possibly. They were in a house? That's another good answer, lots of good answers. Where else were they? Do you know the name of the city? Jerusalem, that's right. They were in Jerusalem. They were all together. And what did they hear? They heard a wind. That's great. That's exactly what they heard. They didn't feel a wind. They weren't blown over. They heard a sound that sounded like the roar of a mighty wind. Now, in what way... Uh, could that symbolize the presence of the Holy Spirit? Maybe some of the grown-ups can help me. We know that this is the Spirit coming, we've just been told. But why might the sound of a wind be symbolic of the presence of God's Spirit? 
Naomi? Thank you, Naomi. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. Naomi said that uh, um, like the wind, with the Holy Spirit, you can see his effects, but you can't see him visibly. Uh, uh, so that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Any other, re, any other connections between um, the, the presence, perhaps, of a wind and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Lucy? The Holy Spirit is coming, that's right. But, and, and you're going to say something? Yep, no, 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, well, in, uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the word actually for spirit uh, is the same word for breath and for uh, wind. So Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God was hovering, the breath of God, the wind of God was hovering, the presence of God was hovering above the waters. And Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the Adam that he'd made and he breathed his breath, his spirit, into that man. So there's a, there's a living kind of organic connection in people's head between what the wind is like and, the, and what uh, the Holy Spirit is like. So that's what they heard. What did they see? Anyone? Flames, that's right, like Helen's hairdo. Um, <clears throat> special Pentecostal hairdo. And they saw what seemed like flames of fire, which came to a light on each of them. That, again, that's the Holy Spirit. Why might something like fire symbolize the Holy Spirit? And again, maybe the grown-ups can help me a little bit. Fire, spirit, what would be the connection in your mind? Naomi. Yeah, God spoke to Moses from a burning bush, and the bush was not consumed. The bush wasn't burned up. God's presence symbolized by fire. Again, uh, when Abraham cuts a whole bunch of animals in half and walks between, well, he was about to walk between the pieces, but actually God walks between the pieces in the form of, um, uh, in the form of fire. God's presence symbolized by fire. And we know that the Holy Spirit uh, is a refining agent, uh, like fire refines metal, purifying out the dross. So the Holy Spirit is a refining fire in our life, purifying us of all uncleanness. And uh, so that's what they heard, what, that's what they saw, what did they do? Another really simple question, what did they do? Anybody? Jordan. They started talking in different languages, that's exactly right. And Jordan, do you know what they were saying? Okay, it does, it does tell us in the text, the answer's in the text, the answer's in the text. What were they saying in all of the different languages? They were declaring, anyone? Jesus is Lord? Well, it doesn't say that in the, in the text, it's, but it, that could have been what they were saying. It's that they were declaring the mighty works of God. So they were spontaneous, uh, extemporaneous, radically disinhibited praise and worship, declaring the praises of God. Uh, next slide. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem... 
Jewish people and Jewish believers from the entire world, every country under heaven, Jews who loved and respected God. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered together in astonishment because each person heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these people speaking from Galilee? How is it that then that each of us hears them speaking in our own language, our own native language, Greeks, Turks, Slavs and Syrians, Lebanese and Jordanians, Iraqis and Iranians, Egyptians, Cyprians, Libyans, Tunisians, Italians and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, people from the island of Crete and the Arabic Peninsula. We hear them proclaiming God's wonderful works in our own languages. Amazed and confused, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some people, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much to drink. Then Peter stood up, together with the 11 other apostles, and spoke loudly, talking to the whole crowd. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, who said, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Okay, so another quick question, maybe one for the grown-ups more, but what is prophecy? What does it mean to prophesy? Bruce. To forecast the future. I'm really glad somebody uh, big and tough gave me that answer because it's the answer you always get and mostly it's not correct. Uh, That's what we think of, really, when we think of prophecy, don't we? We think of it as foretelling or forecasting the future, telling what's about to happen. But if I suggest that the answer is in the text and that maybe the Bible reading that Jane brought to us has something to do with what is prophecy? Of what does it subsist? What does it look like? How do we know when we're prophesying? Deb? God, yes, that's, that's, a re- that's actually a really good definition. God announcing his plans, God speaking through people by the Spirit. To, to prophesy is to speak on behalf of God. Uh, and that may mean forecasting, foretelling the future. Sometimes it doesn't. You might be Jonah sent to Nineveh, and your prophecy is 40 more days And Nineveh is destroyed. And then you have to sit there on a hill watching as God doesn't do that. But it was of the Lord. That message was from the Lord. So prophecy is speaking on behalf of God. 
Uh, and sometimes it can look, when the Holy Spirit falls down on people in very great power, extemporaneous, uh, that means spontaneous, uh, spontaneous, radically disinhibited praise and worship of God. So in fact, every Sunday morning we have a prophecy team leading us in prophecy as we worship the Lord in songs of praise. So that is prophecy. And who will prophesy? Who will prophesy now that this has happened, now that Pentecost has happened? <clears throat> is the answer A, only the trained experts will prophesy. Is the answer B, as in the Old Testament, only kings and recognized prophets and sons of prophets will prophesy? No. Is it C, all of God's people will prophesy? Yes. yes. Uh, young and old, men and women, uh, old men will dream dreams. That's a form of prophecy sometimes. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, boys and girls, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Sons and daughters will prophesy. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and they will prophesy. Well, next slide. Then Peter went on to explain about Jesus. Now, the reason that he needed to explain about Jesus is he's anticipating his audience's objection. He's anticipating that some of them will go, Object! And that is that he said it's the end of the world. These are the last days. God is wrapping everything up, bringing it all to its conclusion and its fulfillment. It's going to be glorious. These are the last days. This is why it's happening. And they would have said, what about the Messiah? Um, in the Old Testament, you can't have the last days without the coming of the Messiah. That's what the last days is all about. So Peter's going to explain he's come and he's coming. So Peter went on to explain about Jesus. He said, as you well know and remember, Jesus of Nazareth did many, many miracles and signs and wonders. You saw them all and you heard about them wherever you lived. This was a sign from God that Jesus was a man from God. With God knowing that it was all going to happen, in fact, it all went according to God's deliberate plan Jesus was handed over to you. And with the help of outsiders, you killed him, nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep a grip on him. David prophesied, prophesying about him, saying, You won't let your Holy One die or decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. God raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of that fact. Lifted back up to heaven, Jesus is now in charge. Jesus is king. Jesus is pouring out his Holy Spirit on all his followers. You are seeing the evidence and hearing the proof. Therefore, know this for sure. God has made this Jesus, the same one you crucified, both Lord and King. When the people heard this, horrified about what they'd done, they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is God's promise, and it's God's promise to you and to your children, and for those close by, and for those far away. For everyone, the Lord our God is calling. And Peter went on to explain more and more, warning them and pleading with them to accept God's offer of forgiveness before it's too late. He said, save, be saved, be saved from being condemned with this rotten generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 people became Christians on that day. So there's the story. Maybe I can uh, ask for some opinions, and there's lots of right answers. There's a billion wrong answers, but there's lots of right answers to this question. What, what do you think is the significance of what happened on that day? Bruce. Yes, the people of God were filled in power. Bruce has just said the people of God were filled in power with the Holy Spirit, an epoch-defining moment, the beginning of the last days. The beginning of the last days that will conclude with Jesus returning again. Um, And there are lots of different things that we can think about, just as the Passover was God saving his old covenant people from slavery and bondage to human beings, and then at the uh, Pentecost moment, showing them how to live, so too uh, the big things that those things pointed to are revealed to us. Jesus uh, dying for the world, for the sins of the whole world at Passover, at Easter, and 50 days later, God showing us how to live, that we are as his people to live in the Spirit, by the Spirit, with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. Uh, the, the rule book, the, 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 the law, that's still useful and good and shows us the character and mind of God, but we live in step with uh, the Spirit. This is the um, first time that the church was filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and it shows us that all baptized Christians uh, might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so then. So, uh, what were the two things? The answer's on the board and in the text. Um, this is what God has done. His offer of forgiveness to the entire world. Be saved, Peter pleads, from being condemned with this rotten generation. As important now as it was then. Um, how uh, that's what God's done for us. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross on our behalf. How then might we respond to things that he suggests might be good things to do? What are they? Repent and get baptized. That's great. Uh, Repent, get baptized. Um, What does repent mean? Be sorry. That's great. Yes. 
Um, I'm always gl glad when uh, a big, tough, uh, robust personality gives me the wrong answer so that I can say, well, that's, that's the wrong answer that people normally give. You know, people talk about, you know, talk about, you know, being sorry, but, but it means more generally turning back to God. But more specifically, if we decide that repent is obvious from the text, what is Peter asking them in the text to do? Repentance must connect with the text. What, that might, what that might that actually look like? Mm, yeah, they've got the law of Moses. They're a good godly bunch. They were there in obedience to the law of Moses to celebrate the feast. Um, they're probably a righteous living bunch. They have to turn around. Sorry, Blake. Turn around, yes. Turn around with respect to whom or what? After, after all, this is an incredibly religious bunch. They, they respect God. They love God. They obey his word. What, 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 what is repentance going to look like for them? Baptism. Uh, I, 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 we'll get there. Yes, yes. Actually, that, that's, that's exactly right. Thank you, Isaac. Um, um, Isaac said, turn to Christ. The, the answer, as I would put it, is they need to change their minds about Jesus. This is the guy they crucified as a criminal and condemned as Satan-possessed. Actually, he's the son of the Most High God. He's, he's a, a, a king, Messiah, and more than that, he is Lord. Uh, everything, that Peter, everything that Peter has said about Jesus is absolutely unmistakable. He stands in the place of God, and he is God. They need to change their minds about Jesus. How, how are we saved? We're saved by changing our minds about Jesus and in response, uh, getting baptized. And uh, uh, when we change our minds about Jesus, uh, when we acknowledge, uh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God, the Holy One of Israel. He died for me in my place on the cross because I too am a sinner. And in sinning, I too have rejected the authority of the Son of God. When we acknowledge that, we, we receive the forgiveness that God has in store for us, that he's so delighted, thrilled to bestow on us, parties in heaven, that somebody's changed their mind about Jesus. And when we change their mind about, about Jesus and we're baptized in water, then the second thing that God has on offer for us is the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's personal empowering presence in our lives? Uh, and uh, here's a really tricky question. Um, can the Holy Spirit die? What do you think, Drew? Okay. Um, what do you think? Thumbs down? Yeah, no, the Holy Spirit can't die. Why can't the Holy Spirit die? Because he is God. That's right. Um, for that reason, it was impossible that Jesus would die. Jesus did die. But it was impossible for death to, to, to keep its grip on him because he's God. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? If you believe in Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You've got a life raft inside. Um, it's not under your seat to pull out in an emergency. There's something incorruptible, in undefeatable. 
um, immortal residing in you already, you don't need to worry about death. You won't know or experience death. Jesus has died on your behalf. Um, the Holy Spirit is the good deposit residing within you that you too can know you'll live forever. What is the evidence that you'll live forever? That you trust that and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. hope there's some useful things to think about in there. Okay, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> uh, Father, um, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, um, your perfect uh, radiance, image, exact, exact representation, the, the person who shows us precisely who you are and wonderfully who we are meant to be. We praise you and worship you for sending Jesus, your son. We, we praise you and worship you, Lord Jesus, for taking the punishment each of us deserved. Thank you for dying on my behalf. Thank you for dying on our behalf. Thank you for saving the world, Lord Jesus. We uh, do pray, Lord, uh, please, that which we've heard this morning from your word. May it grow in our hearts and bear you much fruit, fruit that will last, as we live in the power of the Spirit, to the praise, in, in step with Jesus and copying him all the way, to the glory of the Father, and in Christ's name, Amen. Please stand and sing with us.
to pray now and I am going to need my helpers, that's Georgia and Asha and Toby and I might need a couple more but we'll see how we go. We're going to pray a little bit differently, Um, we're going to pray, actually first thing I need is this whiteboard where we can all see it now that I think about it and I'm not going to be able to do that with a microphone in my hand. (laughs) We're going to, it's Pentecost isn't it, so we are going to Um, think about how. Thank you. Yep, that'll do. Can everyone see it there? If you can't see it, you might want to move. Yep. Lovely. Right, so this is our uh, black background. You'll notice there's a, you probably can't see it, but when you come up close, you'll notice there's a very dodgy flame outline. Um, and so we're going to pray using some flames. So, Georgia, can you go and get that box? over there. And Asher and Toby, can you get the textures and the pens? Thank you. Um, I'm going to give you all um, a flame. And on your flame, you can write your prayers. So um, it's going to help us remember. Thank you. We've got three sections. So perhaps, actually, I'm going to need some more helpers. Can I get three more kids? Thanks, Lockie. I need two more. Anyone else? It would be helpful. Wilbur, will you help? 
No, whoops, isn't going to help. Okay, let's see how we go then. Um, you'll need a at least a pen or a texter and you'll need a few flames. There's probably enough for a couple each, um, maybe even three. Um, and then the idea is that once you've pray, once you've prayed either by yourself or you could turn into your groups and pray, write your prayers onto your flame and you'll see that up here we have mini glue sticks. So you can stick your flame into our dodgy flame shape um, so that when we're, when we're finished, our prayers will look like the flame at, that came at Pentecost. Okay. So what we could think about is that at that first Pentecost, there were tongues of fire that came down and rested on everyone. It wasn't a fire that burnt us up. It wasn't a fire that hurt us. It was more like a fire that filled us up with a warm glow of God's love. Um, it filled them with courage and enthusiasm for Jesus and reminds us and points us to Jesus all the time. So the Holy Spirit is living with us now and he's our special helper okay so on your flame you could write um or you could pray that or draw if your writing isn't your thing yet um you could write your thanks and your praise to god for jesus for the holy spirit for that gift within us you could pray for our world for our church for our community you could pray um for people who are sick that we know you could pray for help to tell other people about Jesus because that is one of the things that the Holy Spirit helps us to do. He helps us to tell people about Jesus. You could pray for anything that's on your heart that you want to tell Jesus about. It might be the bad week you've had or the great week you've had or something that you're worried about. Um, and if you don't yet know the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit living in you, then you could ask for it in your prayer couldn't you? So you could ask, um, ask God and ask Jesus for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and live in your heart and help you day to day. And so when we're finished, we're going to stick our prayers up. When it looks like our flame is full, I will just pray to close and then um, we will move on with another song. Okay? So kids, can you start handing out the flames and the textures and the pens? Grab a little pile each. Okay, and then I'll leave you guys some time to pray. So if you're still waiting for a flame or a pen, then you can already turn and pray in your groups. And if you've got more than enough, pass them around so that there is some for everybody, okay?
Also, feel free to actually pray your prayer before you come up. And if you need more flames, there's plenty. So come and get another one or shout out and I will give you one.